So we've actually been joined this episode in our conversation. Yeah, we have. By a tulpa. By a tulpa. I think they must be our tulpas because they're in the corner of the screen. There's two of you, Matt. There's two. It's Hang on. Do you say two? Yeah, there's two of you. Could be my one of my dogs. <laughs> no, but they make themselves known through, like, you know, barking. Whereas this one's just sitting there. That is a bit like me, though, isn't it? That's the kind yeah, of thing I'd do, yeah. to sit there, you know. It reminds me of that movie Unfriended. Does it? Yeah. Because it starts off with these teenagers having a conversation and there's one of those Skype icons just in the corner and they're mm. like, who the fuck is that? Who the fuck is that? And they keep hanging up on him <laughs> and then starting another conversation and he's still there. That's us because we've actually yeah. stopped the conversation and started again and yet he's still there. Shit. <laughs> what happens at the end of that, Phil? Uh, everyone dies. Oh, no. He kills everyone. Eventually he makes himself known and oh. starts typing to them. If it starts so, typing, like, then we've got to get scared. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, like, death comes to scared. us all at the end of the day, so you shouldn't be too afraid. Yeah, I'm not actually that terrified of death because it's going to happen. What's the point of obsessing about how I'm going to die? Why waste your life? Mm. I, although I would rather not get murdered by some weirdo. Yeah. I, I would yeah. prefer to go slightly more of my own accord. I was talking to Chris the other day about how I'd go. And I was yeah. saying, I was getting so fed up of all these terrorist attacks, both like those fatty ISIS plus the white supremacist yeah. ones. And I was just like, you know what? I kind of wish I'd go out in terrorist incident. So, really? well, yeah, because basically the ISIS cunts can't get people to join up to them mm. because I come from a nice Muslim family that have done nothing wrong. Yeah. And the white supremacists, I'm just showing up their idiocy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not vicious. I don't really care. I actually believe in equal rights, unlike them. Yeah. I guess I'm going out making a point. What you could do is like you could throw yourself, strap yourself with bombs and throw yourself at Donald Trump. That's an act of terrorism. That's the stereotype I'm trying to get brown people away from. Oh, right. All right. Okay. I, I don't think I could do that. And why? Would, I'm not going to give my life for Donald Trump. He oh, doesn't, you know you want he, to, he doesn't deserve that. <laughs> Like, he does not deserve that. I know how fond you are of him, though. Would you do that for him? Would you give up your life for him? No. I don't know. Who who would I give my life up for? Maybe uh, Valanda. Yeah, and then he could solve the murder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll solve, he'll solve your murder. Yeah, he'd be the one still alive. Yeah, so he'd solve who killed you. It yeah. definitely wouldn't be your podcast mate. Is that a term? Podcast mate. Uh, fellow podcast mate. Because there's flatmate, there's housemate. There's roommate. Yeah. Podcast mate. We share a podcast. I suppose it's got to exist. Would I technically be the landlord of the podcast? I suppose you could be. Yeah, because I do the heavy... Well, it's not really heavy lifting. I'm sitting on my ass while I'm doing it. But I do the work. Oh. I mean, actually, to be fair, you do a fair amount of research. Yeah. Apart from when it's my murderer episodes, then I know all the shit. Yeah. <laughs> Without <laughs> researching. <laughs> yeah, you know all about the murders, Tom. No, I don't know about this. This is fake murders, though. Spoilers. I say I say we make this conversation quick, Matt, and just jump into the episode. Mm. Did you hear that? I say we make this conversation quick, Matt, and we jump into the episode. I got that second time round. <laughs> We're gonna be in Sweden this week, aren't we, Tarman? Yeah. This was actually a listener suggestion, wasn't it, Matthew? Yeah, from I believe this is how you pronounce it. Nils Krugfist. I thought it was Niles. No, I looked this up on the internet, and the internet is the source of all truth. And okay. apparently, Swedish people say Nils as in like pills. Okay. The only the only other pronunciation I possibly heard was like Nils, as in you know, Neil pronunciation. Okay. See, I did actually respond back to this listener mm. and did make a light-hearted joke that we were going to butcher his name, hoping that he'd respond. 
with the right way to say his name, but he didn't respond. Ah, well. Hey-ho, it's his own fault if we got it wrong. Yeah, hopefully I haven't butchered it. Hopefully not, but you're going to butcher the rest of the names in this episode. <laughs> Possibly. But that's the one that matters, though, isn't it? The one that suggested it. Yeah, well, the murderer's got quite his, his real name. It's not easy to say. It looks quite easy, but it's not, actually, because Swedish is quite weird language, apparently. No, really? Yeah. I hadn't noticed. Oh, you know what I do like about Swedish names? Mm. The British Wallander. Wallander. And the way they say it there. Yeah. It's like they don't even try sometimes. Yeah. I, I know, it's very typically English. You know, it's all Wallander. Wallander. Kurt Wallander. Clearly Wallander. <laughs> Wallander. <laughs> yeah, I, li- I like how they try to say it with a Swedish accent as well sometimes. Well, yeah. I like Vanya. And they're just like Vanya. Vanya, yeah. Vanya. Vanya. And just like Vanya. <laughs> How you doing, Vanya? I'm going to Vanya. I'm going to Vanya, ram you with a Vanya. <laughs> That's bad to say after we've made comments about terrorism and how I'd be a victim of it. Yeah. <sighs> I don't want to be rammed with a van. Uh, we really should think before we speak sometimes. We really should. I should think before I edit as well, because I'm probably going to leave all that shit in it anyway. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, are we going to do intro music? I think we should, just so we can gather our bearings and not say anything else about terrorism and vans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... Intro music, please get us out of this bind. <laughs> Welcome to the Dork's Deduction Podcast. Where we talk about stuff. That's my little bit of intro music for you there. Yeah, so, hi. We're back. And we're sane. And yeah. we're responsible. We're back and we're better than ever before, aren't we? To be fair, we're barely mediocre most of the time. Yeah. I guess we could be better than ever, but then that's still only going to be mediocre. Yeah. It's better than being absolutely shit. Yeah, we're so average, man. Yeah, I know. It's depressingly average, I think. Mm. Funny if you say that, though. Swedes quite like that, apparently. What, they like average? Yeah, they like being kind of average. Apparently, I was listening to this uh, Radio 4 programme, and these Swedish people were saying that the worst thing you can call a Swedish person is they're not normal. They wouldn't like that. They don't like being unique. I mean, it'll be sense that they like us, because a few of the Swedes have made themselves known. Yeah. The Swedish fans. I mean, we've had a couple, and they do the lengthiest messages as well yeah and it's quite helpful and then we say oh yeah we'll totally address that and then we forget mm. like how many comments have we got about katrina costa's one I, I can't remember how many comments we got from that is it just the one no it was the nil nils 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 wrote wrote us an email and there was another one that i think we got through youtube but now i've completely forgotten this one was a girl she liked us because she thought we sounded like we were friends in a pub oh right yeah yeah the swedes they're always very helpful i mean this nils he gave us a few as well that we might do eventually yeah but this is one of many the first of many no this is the second fan suggested one we've done oh yeah i only took us two and a half years yeah actually no it's three if we count the quantum physics yeah that's not a normal fan, is it? Yeah, that was Avram. I could just say a full name because like a million of them in the world. <laughs> Julia Avram. Yeah. <laughs> Search it on Facebook, you won't find her. She's one of those really crazy obsessed like fans though, isn't she? Yeah, like she, she stalks us, she knows where we live. We really did that just to appease her so she'd stop 
leave us alone, basically. Mm, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But it hasn't. No. Anyway, what yeah. are we talking about this week, Matt? You're the Swedish aficionado. <laughs> I don't think I said that right. Aficionado, that's it, isn't it? Not aficionado. I'm not even going to attempt to say that, so... Aficionado. Aficionado. I think I just fuck up words all the time. I can say them. It's just sometimes I just say them too fast without thinking, and then it just gets muddled up. Yeah, I think the more you think about trying to say something sometimes, I think that's my problem. Yeah. Regular listeners, I fuck up words so much more than you realise. It's just I have the sense to correct myself and I edit all the fuck-ups out. Certain people don't correct themselves and they just carry on talking even though they've just fucked up. Chris, he's he's such a problem, isn't he? (laughs) Yeah, just Chris, isn't it? Just Chris. (laughs) Like, doing episodes with just the two of you, editing those episodes, I'm just like, why the hell did they do this? I don't know. The thing I find with, like, with Chris is that I I don't like interrupting him. (laughs) I interrupt you and say, Fucking start from the beginning, you twat face. Because, you know, he's usually making some really serious points. <laughs> <laughs> Bullshit. What? When has he ever picked the serious episode? <laughs> he's the creepy pasta of the dork's deduction. Yeah. We always bring the really dark ones. The very informative ones. Yeah. <laughs> well, we don't get distracted at all or skip over any information. No. Well, they... He has the one that has been bringing up a certain Mr. Savile. And he was the one that read out that rather creepy, creepy pasta. The very creepy. Yeah, creepy he's the creepy one. We pick the really disturbing episodes, but Chris is really the creepy one. Yeah, which I'm really pleased about because I've been trying to shed that image for ages. No, the more we think about Chris, the more we realise he's the creep of the podcast. And he was the one that got caught hanging around a school as well, wasn't he? Yeah, and he's the one that ends up in prison. Yeah. But where's he now? I think we killed him, actually. Yeah, well, you, you don't need those kind of people in the world, do you? They're very dangerous. Anyway, let's get on this show. Niels has been waiting for this for months. I know. Yeah, we have, haven't we? (laughs) I think it's been a while since you requested it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's been a long while. Right, we're going to be talking about Thomas Quick, or to give him his real name, here we go. The Flash. No, I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's pronounced Stuart Bellival. Even though it looks like it should sound like Bergwell. And his middle name is Ragnar. Oh. He's named after the Viking. Ooh. I did not know that. I didn't look up his middle name. And you don't know nothing about Vikings? No fuck all about Vikings. I didn't until a few weeks ago as well, so... What, you know all about Vikings now? No, I don't know all about Vikings. I've just started watching Vikings. Oh, right. <laughs> I've just started and also just finished. Yeah. So good, Matt. You should watch it. I'm guessing that's a really informative documentary, Tarman. Well, no, it's obviously not. <laughs> it's historical fiction mm. that's aired by the History Channel, but it's based on real people. Yeah. Real Vikings. Ragnar Lodbrok. And also his wife, who is amazing, and I'm in love with her. I don't know mm. if I'm straight or gay or anything, but I know I'm in love with her. I think I'm pretty much straight, just in love with her. Anyway, anyway we should really <laughs> get back to what yeah. we were talking about. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to call this guy Thomas, because it's quicker than saying Stuart Bear. <laughs> it's quicker. Yeah, Thomas was born in uh, rural Sweden. Eden, and he was a child of seven and oh is that you've got a problem with that it's just a big family man that mother she went popping through a lot. Them out or she was i should say not still alive i don't think if she was popping them out at that age that'd be incredible he was raised in a strict pentecostal family this is slightly important because he was also uh when he was a teenager he realized he was a homosexual 
And because his parents were quite strict in their beliefs, he felt a bit of shame of this. When he was a teenager? Yeah. So that was like, what, in the 60s and 70s? I'm guessing so, yeah. I think he's around about that age. Although I did read that homosexuality in Sweden was legalised a lot earlier than this country. I forget what year it was. But this country is actually fairly backwards. I love how people think of it as a forward-thinking country. No. You're chemically castrating people until the 60s. Yeah, homosexual relations were apparently were legalised in 1944 in Sweden. Just because it's legalised doesn't mean that it's widely accepted, though. No, true, that's very true, as uh, the case here was probably a bit true. So, yeah, he, um, he felt something of a misfit, and eventually, like some misfits do, he began to experiment with drugs. And he particularly found amphetamines. Is that how you say it? I think it's how you Amphetamines. Say it. However you say it. Uppers. Let's just call them uppers, uppers so it yeah. makes your life easier. He loved uppers, basically. It's actually called methamphetamines, but carry on. I, I was just about to laugh how, at the age of 19, he was accused of molesting adolescent boys. I wasn't laughing at that, by the way. And then later, he tried to stab a former lover. And finally, uh, well, not quite finally, but in 1990, he robbed a bank dressed as Santa Claus. And this was to, to feed his addiction to drugs. and uh, I'd love it if it was in the middle of July. Yeah, I think it could have been as well. There's nothing inconspicuous about someone dressing up in a Santa suit in the middle of July. Nothing at all. But unfortunately, he was recognised, so it can't have been that great a uh, Santa Claus costume if you get recognised. Because of this, he was incarcerated in a psychiatric hospital. And this is where things start to turn a little bit weird. This is a kind of what-the-fuck kind of case. While he was at this hospital, he underwent psychiatric therapy. At some point, while he was at this hospital, he was prescribed with a cocktail of really strong mind-altering drugs, which are known as benzodiazepines. And what's quite weird, even though he was at this psychiatric hospital, and considering he'd, you know, he'd robbed a bank, he was allowed out without anyone you know, to supervise him. That's actually not that weird, because wasn't there that guy in Britain who was... I've forgotten his name now, but it wasn't even that long ago. He was insane, so they put him in mental hospital because he killed a little girl, and then he oh. just walked out, and then within, like, hours, he'd killed another little girl before they found him again. The thing with this, though, is that he, he was actually... The, he was allowed these days out. This wasn't just him wandering out for play. Oh, so, like, a day pass. Yeah, they actually say you can go out. You can, you know, go into the... I mean, AK hadn't killed anyone yet, but he... You know, he'd robbed a bank and uh, stuff like well, that. Well, prisons do that. It's called furlough. Yeah, it seems rather quick, though, for it. Yeah, I know. I mean, they don't do it lightly. I mean, it's not like everyone yeah. gets a go. And usually it's only because of some circumstances, like, you know, your mum's dead or something. Yeah, so I, I found that a bit weird. They were perhaps a bit lax back then. I don't know. Or maybe they just, because they already, like, studied his psyche, maybe they just thought he was actually fairly harmless. Mm. They thought, because he, he was robbing the bank to steal money for drugs, maybe yeah. come off the drugs and they thought he wasn't a flight risker and they trusted him. Mm. That kind of makes sort of sense. You have to trust them and then eventually they have to let him out anyway. So that's yeah. sort of the starting point. The thing is, he's on these rather strong drugs. Whether they knew how strong these mind-altering drugs were that he'd been prescribed. I still, If anyone's like on like those kind of drugs, I'd be a bit wary of like sending them out into the world, like out anyone there. I don't know. Mm. But times were probably different back then. I've got no idea. It was on these days out that he would trawl through newspaper archives about unsolved murders. And this kind of became an obsession. He's used his time wisely. He, yeah. he went to a library rather than, you know, get all stabby happy. You could do worse things, to be fair. Mm -hmm. 
It's the kind of thing I'd do, probably. No, I'd find my nearest Netflix or Amazon Instagram. <laughs> yeah, we know what you're to like. To catch yeah. up. Basically, I'd find my nearest internet connection. Yeah. At some point, while he was at the psychiatric hospital, he announced to one of his therapists that he had a confession to make. And quick then confessed to the murder of Johann Asplund. And this case, I think, is one that meant to be, I think it's meant to be one of the great, like, criminal mysteries of Sweden, I think, from what I've read. Obviously, they didn't get us in to solve it. No. I mean, obviously, it's a mystery then. Yeah, I mean, come on. We're the guys you want, really. Yeah, I mean, we solved all of them. Yeah. Like, we settled the Katrina de Costa affair. Yeah, that was done and dusted. Yeah, and it only took us a couple of hours. Yeah, and then Nils told us we were completely wrong, I think. And so did the other lady. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they said it nicely. They were like, oh, you guys are so misinformed. Your press is so different now, over there. Yeah. This is what really happened. I, I should point out, we're using English sources again, so if they're completely shit, blame them, not us. Yeah, blame our English media. We're just the messengers, really. So, uh, Johan was an 11-year-old boy who went to school one day in the November of 1980, but was never seen again. And his body has never been found, or not all of it has been found. Oh, that's nice. It's either him or the, because there's another case of another kid as well, which I'll go on about later. So they don't know which body parts belong to who? No, one of these people, they found the skull, but they didn't find the rest of him. But I don't know if it's this one or the later one, so you can find that one out later. I'm going through the notes. Quick claimed that he had picked Johan up from school and had lured him into his car before taking... Wait, so when did Johan go missing? 1980, November of 1980. And when did Thomas Quick go... Well, when was he in the psych hospital? I think, did he confess? In 1991, I think, is when he confessed. Yeah, because um, 1990 was when he robbed the bank. 91 was when he was in the place. Oh, so it's when he was older anyway. Yeah, so it's, it's a good... It's good. 10 or so years at least after the event happened. Basically, Quick claimed he picked Johan up uh, from school and had lured him into his car. And then he'd taken uh, Johan to a wooded area and then basically raped him. He then claims that he panicked and then strangled him. Rather similar to an English case, I actually remember. That happens a lot. I mean, yeah. not to say murderers are all right, but a lot of the time they plan on assaulting a person. Yeah. They just panic and kill them. That's not anything positive about these rapists. They're still scum. Yeah. It doesn't matter that they didn't mean to kill someone. They did. I mean, they meant to hurt people, but that actually happens a lot. People panic and just do mm. it. But then it becomes habit you cunt faces yeah quick also claims that he dismembered the body and in precise detail he claimed that he ate johan's fingers and he also uh, apparently said that he cut off johan's head and kicked it around like a football apparently he buried the body so it could not be found which uh, it's been pretty successful has it still not been found it's still not been found 2017 it's still not been found yeah i think it's the other boy that i was talking about whose skull they found Forensic technicians searched the locations where Quick claimed to have buried Johan, but found nothing. It took prosecutors nine years to even make a vaguely viable case against Quick, and he wasn't convicted of Johan's murder until 2001. Jesus. Yeah, this was particularly painful for the boy's parents, who never actually believed that Thomas Quick had done this murder. They always believed it was someone they knew, or someone who knew Johan's mother, 
and they think it was some kind of like revenge killing or something like that. So they had a suspect in mind? The Yeah, the victim's family did. They didn't believe it was this Thomas Quick. The father says in almost all of these kind of cases, it's someone who knows the child or something like that. That's what he believes. This victim's father says he, they thought it was an ex-partner of the mother. This guy was seeking revenge for the breakup of their relationship. Apparently there was some circumstantial evidence against this suspect. For a private prosecution, that was. The police chose not to pursue it, and I don't think ever have done, from what I can hear. Even though there was tangible evidence. Yeah, also, this ex-partner was sentenced for two years for kidnapping. That was for someone else as well. And he was quite angry when Thomas Quick confessed, because they kind of realised it was a bit of a sham. And also, there's quite an interesting thing he was saying, how basically they told the police there was some kind of scar on Johan's body, and then the police were talking to Thomas Quick about this scar. And Thomas Quick didn't know in like enough detail about this scar. So the police went to the victim's family and they wanted to learn more about this scar. And then they would hint to Thomas Quick about so some of the details. So they basically led him to... Yeah, they were basically feeding him. And they like at one point, the police actually forced the victim's mother to draw the scar because if not, they were going to threaten her with protecting criminal so basically the police here they just wanted confession off thomas quick it was just an easy confession for them i think and so they started feeding him details and that is going to come quite a common theme over the course of this case and many others so this thomas quick there's about 30 cases overall that he got i think charged for or something or at least suspected of there's at least 12 convictions he got i think so in the years following 1990 when he was sentenced to this closed psychiatric confinement he confessed to a lot of murders according to his own accounts his first murder happened in 1964 when thomas quick was only 14 (laughs) the victim was apparently about the same age as him although he wasn't quite as strong and tall as thomas quick so that's how they said he was able to kill this person did he know the victim though actually know him i don't think so they didn't say anything about him knowing the victim although i can't remember if it occurred where he lived or not he might have known the victim but i don't think so that's what i'd say well we're gonna find out aren't we with our swedish listeners yeah by the time he confessed the murder though um this was already subject to the statute of limitations so he couldn't really be properly convicted for it But it also turned out later on that he had a watertight alibi for this one. On the day of this murder apparently happened, he was attending his own confirmation at the (laughs) Pentecostal church. Yeah, the police clearly didn't um, look into that one. Yeah, God was his alibi. Yeah. The second victim apparently was Alvar Larsson. I think this is another quite famous one in Sweden as well. He was murdered outside some kind of lake town in Sweden. Funnily enough, according to Quick's sister, Quick never left the area where he lived at the time. So how he'd managed to get over to this place to kill this boy, we don't know. But basically, this case was on the morning of April 16th, 1967. Alva Larson was woken up at half past seven by his mother. He had some food and then uh, he went out and basically was never seen again. They didn't find his body either. They found his skull. Oh, so he's the one. Okay, the skull. But it was like in, in the 80s by this point. So it was a good, oh, well over 10 years after it happened. But it's a big mystery, this one as well. What hampered this one was that kids' parents, I don't think, properly realised he was missing until 
quite late on as well. You have to get in pretty quick with these kind of cases. Yeah, if they don't find you within like 48 hours, they just assume you're dead, especially yeah. if you're a kid. So he was like missing for ages and they did eventually find his skull, as I said, in around about the 80s. Um, but it was not about trouble because apparently someone confessed that their brother had murdered, I think, the victim and that he buried the body at uh, the bottom of this grave. But when they went to look, uh, there was no body. So I think they got a lot of people taking the piss a little bit or they got some fantasists wanting to get the attention i think also i think one of the initial theories about this case was that alva had just run away so no one was really looking for like a kidnapper as well so it's kind of case where they missed a lot of the opportunities to really be able to find him and at some point thomas quick claimed that he had murdered this one and Apparently he just like read details of the case and claimed he buried him somewhere, I think. And that's all I've got on that one. A third murder that he confessed to uh, was that of Therese Johansson. Uh, this was in 1988. There were numerous inconsistencies in this confession. He initially said that Therese was blonde and lived in a rural village, when uh, in reality she had dark brown hair and lived in a tower block in an urbanised area. So I would have thought that should be ringing alarm bells straight away, but uh, not to the police, apparently it didn't. And in total, he was interviewed 15 times before he got all the details of the murder correct. So again, that would be ringing alarm bells to me. And this murder, I think, happened in Norway as well. So <laughs> yeah, and this is what's interesting, he would read details about murders in Norway because apparently the Swedish police didn't know so much about these murders. So it sounded like he had knowledge that the Swedish police didn't have. So that's why some people say they were taken in by it. I say they were taken in by it because they wanted to close these cases. Yeah, I think so, really, too. It's really starting to remind me of... Um... What's his name? The one in America? Lee Harvey Oswald? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he's confessed to, like, hundreds and hundreds of murders. And police from all over the country fly down to him to close their cases. Oh. And he's basically just doing it to stave off the execution. If he admits to more, it's, like, another trial that he has to go through. I thought Harvey Oswald was the one that killed oh, yeah. one of the Yeah, no, no, I've completely fucked up the name. There is... What's his name? It's on... It's, I think it's on the Wikipedia page for uh, this guy. Because oh, it's, really? like, a similar case, yeah. look it up. Is, is it Henry? Uh, Henry Lee Lucas. Henry Lee Lucas, that's the guy. Yeah. I got the Lee right. Yeah. <laughs> I mixed him up with the guy that killed a president. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a really similar case. Apparently with this case, Quick was driven to Norway as well to identify the spot where he buried her. And yeah, uh, they, they searched the lake. They spent seven weeks draining this lake where he apparently left the body. And yeah, they found nothing apart from like a 0.5 millimetre bone fragment. That they just decided to assume was hers. It later turned out to be a charred piece of wood. <laughs> and despite all of this, Quick was somehow convicted. I've got no idea. I mean, if that's the kind of evidence you need in Sweden, then I'm slightly changing my opinion of Sweden. They don't have Kurt Wallander. No. He's a fictional character. Like, they do good detective fiction, but their actual detectives sound a bit shit. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. still haven't figured out who killed, um... What's that Prime Minister's name now? I've forgotten. Oh, Olaf Palm. Yeah, Olaf Palm. Yeah, that's got political intrigue, though, then, so I'm not surprised by that one. But some of these, I mean, it's so blindingly obvious. How stupid are you? Again, they don't have us working for them. No. Right, and we're going to go through some of these other cases just very quickly now. He also confessed to a murder of an Israeli tourist, also in, I think, 1988. Uh, this tourist was trekking on holiday in Sweden when he met his unfortunate end. 
And yet again, there was like numerous inconsistencies. It took him a few times to correctly identify the murder weapon. At first, he <laughs> guessed a camping axe. Uh, then it was a spade and then it was a car jack before he eventually got the right answer, which was a wooden club. These incorrect guesses were never mentioned in court either, so... You know what? I'm actually starting to judge Thomas Quick. Um, I'm, I'm going to come on to why he might have done this later on. No, no, no. I'm starting to judge him because at first I thought, oh, he goes out and does his research. Now I'm thinking... No, he doesn't. What was he doing in the library the whole time? I think he, he was able to get some details, but I think the, the police were telling him about cases sometimes and trying to get him to get the right answers. Mm, yeah, probably. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily lousy research. <laughs> he was convicted of this one in 1997, despite the fact there was no forensic evidence. The whole case was really built around statements that Thomas Quick had made. And this was apparently knowledge that was not known in the public sphere. But as, as we've seen, it took him like at least four or five guesses to get the right murder weapon. So it's clearly his knowledge wasn't that great of this case. These detectives better not still be working. You'd hope not. Because it's feasible, because it was only, what, the early 90s. So it's feasible that some of them would still be working. Mm. They're still at the right age to be working, but they really shouldn't be. Yeah, there's a lot of other these cases, like he knew a lot of the information, or he or he got a lot of the right answers of information that the public didn't know, or that even the police didn't necessarily know. But a lot of that came just from research, apparently, and stuff like that. There was one more. It was like, despite the fact that he was gay, they also accused him of raping some woman as well that he'd murdered. I mean, it's possible. I know it's, like, possible, but if you knew that, you know, he's gay, it would make you think twice a little bit, wouldn't it? I'd probably, yeah, it'd make me think twice because some of his victims have been men, right? The supposed yeah. victims have been men. I mean, did he rape them? Oh, he admitted to raping. raping one of the boys, didn't he? Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, you look at the amount of different um, victims there are here. Like, there's no single there's victim. There's no MO. He's even, like, admitted to, like, cannibalism or something like that at one point. And you're thinking, what kind of monster do you think this guy is that he's doing all of this? If there was the one person doing all of that, I'd actually probably judge the detectives harsher. Yeah. Because they didn't catch him sooner. Yeah. As I said, it's a real, like, what the fuck case, really. So at one point, this guy was known as like one of the most famous serial killers in Sweden. But quite early on, though, there was some debate about how credible some of these confessions were. Thomas Quick didn't technically recant any of these confessions until around about 2008. And there's been a lot of doubt about the reliability of his statements. Like, for example, he confessed to murdering two African refugees who later turned out to be uh, still alive and quite well. So you think that's surely got to kind of make you consider the rest of the stuff he'd confessed to. Like, for example, a lot of the forensic evidence that could have been possibly used, like a DNA sample turned out to be a mismatch. And with so many of these cases, there was literally no forensic evidence. So you're really just going on a lot of, like, circumstantial evidence. And as you might like, see, some of the circumstances were a bit, you know, when he's at a, when he's clearly got somewhere else, how's he meant to have, you know, murdered this kid? It's a bit strange. And as I said, it wasn't until two journalists started investigating in 2001, I think it was, that it was clear that some of these cases were a little bit fabricated. Some people defend some of the verdicts saying that he knew, like, pieces of information that some of the people just wouldn't have known about. You, uh, the like, public wouldn't have known about Yeah, you'd case. have to be the murderer to know these data, details. That was the assumption I think they were going on. Until it came out that he was being fed information by the police yeah. in these confessions. 
Yeah, one of the Supreme Court judges thinks that while he admits that sort of like the forensic evidence from a lot of these cases was nowhere near as strong as it was, the details, particularly within like a couple of murders as well, was so close to what happened that he, he believes that, um, this Thomas Quick may have actually murdered a couple of people. So he does believe that while uh, this Thomas Quick's maybe not guilty of all the crimes, he believes that he's possibly guilty of some of them. It's not a popular opinion. Most people just don't believe this guy's guilty of anything. I kind of get it. Like, I did once think about what I would do if I was a serial killer. Mm. Or if I wanted to kill someone. Yeah. I would kill that one person that I wanted to kill, but then I'd do loads of other murders just to cover it up. Yeah. It's kind of like that, isn't it? He's covering up his own murders. Yeah. But then he's admitting to them. Could it also, he clearly wasn't the sanest of people as well. So I don't actually understand how he was able to confess and that was actually taken into account because he was insane. There are rules against that, isn't there? Yeah, you'd think so, but I think they were just desperate for someone to pin these crimes on. What a lot of people think happened here was, going back to this time, there was an idea in psychoanalysis. I think that people had repressed memories and what they believed was that this Thomas Quick basically... He couldn't remember too many of the details, so it was about getting them out of him. So he'd repressed a lot of these details, and it was just about urging him to look into his psyche or something like that and remember these things. And it's quite interesting. Apparently someone said that it started becoming a bit like a cult, so there was only, like, this group of people would only be, like, loud access to him, and they were kind of influencing a lot of what he was doing. And so he would confess, and he would get attention and stuff like that. And uh, this Thomas Quick said he liked the attention. The drugs were a big part of it as well, he said. The drugs gave him, like, the creativity to come up with some of the details of these murders. And basically what is said is that he was given such a high dosage that it just gives you poor impulse control. And so this Thomas Quick just didn't have any inhibitions. And so that was why he was able to invent such weird stories of, like, cannibalism and rape and murder. Although he also says he was always, like, fascinated by depictions of serial killers. So it's also, I think, a part of an obsession that's gone a bit crazy as well. So I think it's a mixture of him being quite attention-seeking in some way, but also these drugs didn't help as well. Mm. That's, I think, how you kind of justify it from his point of view. Yeah, he's crazy. As long as he didn't actually kill these people, it's harmless. Yeah. One of the journalists said of, of all the people, he was the one that didn't have a job to do there. He was like the patient there. The people around him, you know, should have been looking after him better. They should have been making sure he wasn't so easily influenced by people. And basically, people should have been, they shouldn't have been following it religiously, believing everything he said. They should have scrutinised a bit more. Exactly, which is what you should be doing with people that are insane. Yeah. I think this journalist said they would go wherever he said he buried someone. I think, yeah, this, um, she, it's quite a funny quote. She says, this dog called Zampo or something like, he marked the human remains 45 times at 24 different locations. They didn't discover a single trace of blood or body parts. She even says the dog was as bad as the rest of these, like, doctors and, like, psychiatrists. Everyone was just taking his word seriously. And you think someone who's clearly not right in the head, you know, off his head on, like, these mental drugs, you'd scrutinise it a bit more. And as for the police, they were just as bad. 
You know, I can't believe they genuinely believed he did anything. No, they, I don't think they did. I think they were just taking advantage and trying to solve some, well, close a few cases. Not solve them, obviously. Yeah. I mean, they led him to the confessions. They gave him the information. They knew what they were doing. Yeah. I don't believe that this idea of, like, repressed memories is that viable, to be honest. Maybe if it took him, like, a couple of times, maybe, to get the right answer, maybe. But he was guessing, like, one of them is, like, 15 times before he got all the details right. That's a lot of times. I think after 10 or so times, I think you really don't know how this murder happened. At 10? I'd, I'd say 5 max. Yeah. And even that is pushing it. I, I've been generous with 10. Yeah, so it's kind of really ridiculous at times. I think we're nearing the end. And as I said, it was like really painful for some of the victims' families as well. I was talking about Johan Asplund earlier. You know, his father, his like parents had to, you know, hear about how Thomas Quick had apparently eaten his son's fingers and stuff like that. And I think they were a bit angry at Thomas Quick, uh, which I can understand, but I, I think it's a little bit harsh. No, I could totally understand that. I mean, in their point of view, yeah, I'd understand why they were upset with Thomas Quick. Because they don't care. It's about their son that has gone missing and is probably dead. And I understand yeah, that. I totally agree with that. But I, I just feel, I think, personally, I wouldn't myself judge Thomas Quick too harshly. Because at the end of the day, he should have been better cared for. He shouldn't have been able to get into the situation where he was confessing to all these murders. And he's basically being encouraged to do this. Not just by the police, but by his therapists as well and stuff like that. And he was off his head on drugs. As an interesting thing, when the new clinical director came to this hospital in 2001, they discovered that the size of the dosage he was giving was enough to knock people unconscious. So the fact that he Jesus. was off his head a lot of the time while he was at this psychiatric hospital was hardly surprising. And it's also no surprise that once he was off these drugs, he no longer cooperated with the police and he stopped making confessions. So I think the drugs are a big connection to him making a lot of these confessions. And at the end of the day, the psychiatric hospital should have been more careful with the size of drugs they were giving him, basically. That and this, it's their job to protect them and nurture them. Yeah. I mean, they shouldn't let him put himself in that position with the police that are feeding him information. Yeah. I mean, he should have someone appropriate with him. He shouldn't have been placed in that environment. Yeah. They just took advantage of him. Uh, yeah, because I, I think basically what happens is once he came off the drugs, I think he was just in this position where he's like, shit, I've confess to these <laughs> all these crimes and yeah i think that's got to be pretty scary to find out that's what he did mm. so what's happened now is he is he been cleared of everything and um, he was eventually cleared i think it was going up until about 2013 2014 i think that he so was going on for 20 something years he recanted in 2008 i think the legal process because there was a good many convictions i think they did like one at a time kind of thing, I think, with a lot of them. Mm. And so he was eventually cleared of all the murders that he was convicted for. And he was eventually, I think in 2014, he was eventually released. And he's no longer on medication. And that's because he's been looked at and they've said he doesn't need medication anymore. So he actually finally got some doctors that are actually worth their salt. Yeah, I, I was, the thing I was really shocked about was the fact that he was given a dosage that could like, knock out probably anyone else. So how he got through that, I don't know. Well, he was a drug addict before, so he must have built up a tolerance to drugs. Yeah. So that might be it. Maybe that's why they gave him so much. The smaller doses didn't do anything. Yeah. So, like, the doctors that were in charge of him, have they been struck off? 
I mean, we've already established we don't know if the detectors have been sacked, which they should have been. Mm. They're not doing their job. I haven't read anything to say that they have. Actually, I think one of his therapists was a, quite a famous Swedish therapist. She knew someone involved with the Katrin, the Katrin. Katrin de Costa. Yeah, um, she uh, was the mentor to one of the therapists in that case. So she's quite, she's quite highly thought of in Sweden, or she was, she's dead now. Basically, what they said, the bit of a cult kind of went around her, basically. She was so highly respected, no one was like really willing to question her. And I think in light psychoanalysis, I think sometimes there's a fashion for something. So I think there was a fashion for like repressed memories and stuff like that, for that kind of thing. And I think they just took it all a bit too seriously and didn't actually scrutinise whether this was actually viable. So... As far as I know, I, I, like as some of these journalists say, there's a load of people who should be really ashamed. The police mainly, and the therapists as well, the doctors at this hospital. Yeah. Like in the modern world, how could you let that happen? I really don't think you should be able to convict people without some kind of forensic evidence. I think circumstantial evidence is way too flimsy. It wasn't even really circumstantial. It's an insane person confessing to crimes. Yeah. That happens all the time. And usually people don't get convicted. But every time there's like a brutal murder or a serial killer, you've got those crazies that go to the police saying it's them or saying they've got information. Mm. It's the police's job to know how to weed them out. Yeah. It's the police not doing their proper job and actually saying, ah, what if this, this guy isn't the guy? You know, I think they're getting tunnel vision, you know. No. It's innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. I think a lot of these, because they hadn't been solved, I think there's a pressure to find someone. And I mm. think when this guy offered himself up, <laughs> you know, it's like a, it's all your Christmases come at once. Yeah, but it's not just police, come on. You've got the whole court system as well. Yeah. The prosecutors brought charges against him because of that. Yeah. I mean, so it's a whole system is corrupt. You, you've got to wonder how those juries were convinced by it all. They just saw a crazy guy on the stand, didn't they? And also, like... Because it was public, right? Yeah. There was media frenzy. I think so. so I know that jurors aren't supposed to be affected by the outside world when they're sitting in a trial, but if you've got something like that, what they can't avoid. Yeah. How could they not be affected? You've had this stuff happen before as well. Well, if yeah, if you're willing to confess to something, I think their idea is well, you've got to be guilty then. If you're willing to put yourself through like the justice system, saying you've mm. done this. I think they're just going to genuinely believe that you did it. <laughs> yeah, which is stupid, because if someone's saying they're not doing it, mm. I'm not going to instantly believe, oh, no, they're definitely innocent. I'm yeah. still going to listen to all the other facts, aren't I? It doesn't work the other way around. Yeah. I think also, like, some people say that, you know, he had the track record of, like, lying very convincingly and also manipulating people. So maybe just some people believed he could be capable of doing it. There are plenty of lies that aren't murderers. True, true. Um, I can't think of any. Yeah, I'm trying to think now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think that's really about it. I don't think there's much more I can add to that. Mm. I mean, at least it ended well. I mean, he did have to go through an ordeal, but at least eventually he managed to clear himself. Yeah. I mean, it is a weird one where, he, in a way, he is kind of part of his own downfall, but there's, I think there's a lot of mitigating circumstances there. Mm. I mean, I'm not saying he's all, like, innocent and stuff, because he did go stab-happy with his boyfriend. Yeah, and he did molest boys as well when he was younger, so mm. not entirely innocent. But he's not a serial murderer. Yeah. At least he got off eventually. There's plenty of people that don't. Yeah, I think, at the end of the day, it's good for the justice system that he got off, because 
you can't have that going on in your justice system. It's bad that he actually got convicted. Yeah, I... I <laughs> they shouldn't have so to worried. get off. I know. I, I just, I find that so worrying that he was able to get convicted. There wasn't like a shred of forensic evidence for any of these crimes. Like, if it was one, you might just maybe feel okay with sending someone down for, like, circumstantial evidence. But, like, all these crimes, there's literally no shred of forensic evidence. You've got to believe he's one of the... So tidy when he kills people. That and, like, he's insane and he has a lack of impulse control. Do you really think that he's going to be a world-class serial killer? Yeah. He's killed all over different countries in Norway <laughs> and in Sweden in various different parts. He can be in two places at one time. And he didn't leave any forensic evidence. It was so well planned that he had alibis and... <laughs> <laughs> and no one saw him commit the murders. There were no witnesses. Yeah. It's really stupid. Yeah. Also, like, his family have got to be, like, saying to him, like, what the fuck are you doing confessing to these crimes? If his family were allowed near him. Yeah, true. I'm I'm not sure they necessarily were, because it does sound like there's a very just tight-knit group that was allowed around him. Mm. Which makes sense, because they wouldn't want anyone to sway him. Yeah. One of the journalists who was involved in, like, investigating this, he actually, like, watched the videotapes of some of the confessions, and it's so clear that he was, like, high on drugs. Why weren't, like, someone else at the time thinking that? He's clearly high on drugs. Why are we listening to what he's saying? It's silly. Yeah. It's horrible. But the thing is, it happens. It happens all over the world. Yeah. I mean, it's sad, but it happens. Mm. The thing is, it could happen to anyone, though. It really could. I mean, it could happen to us. I know we've discussed it. We're not actually physically capable of murder, but... We talk about it a lot. People could assume that, yeah, they'd be up for a murder. Yeah. And just connect the dots. Like, if someone we mutually knew ended up dead. Yeah. I think it's a bit like one of those, you know, uh, is it Christa Jeffries or something like that? He was one, he looks a bit odd. So, and everyone instantly just thought he was the murderer of this person. Quite a recent case. I can't remember. I think that. it's one of those things. If you're slightly eccentric, people tend to think, oh, you've got to have had something to do with it. Yeah. I mean, I'm brown, so people think I'm a terrorist anyway. Mm. So I've got that in my corner. You're a creepy white guy. Why creepy? I think, you, you know, you said Chris was the creepy one. Yeah, but you look like the creepy white guy. Chris oh, likes the, looks you. like the molesting white guy. <laughs> 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 oh, God. Oh, why haven't we been arrested yet? Maybe it's a good thing that this podcast isn't more successful. Yeah. Yeah, we would have got arrested a long time ago if this was more successful. <laughs> let's keep our let's keep our listenership down. Yeah, we're all fucking knobheads. I didn't say turn away the ones we got. Oh right, all right. <laughs> Poor Nils. I've probably said it differently yeah, like fifty dickhead. times. Why did you suggest this one? Yeah, Nils, you <laughs> made us suggest this one. You made us suggest this one. That makes no sense whatsoever. No, it does not. He suggested others that are like equally creepy. Strange. Yeah, yeah. I can't, I've forgotten what the other one was now. There was one about a kid, weren't there? I've still got the email. Yeah. Don't worry, Nils, I'll keep your emails. Yeah, maybe we'll do that one another time. Yeah, maybe not, not next, next week. week. <laughs> yeah. We need a bit of a break from the Swedes. Not that you're not lovely. Oh, I do, we do love the Swedes, don't we? You love the Swedes more than most, Matt. I do. And, and I know you're proud of it. And I love that you're proud of it. Oh, there's so much to love, though. Yeah. As I said, I don't think I've, I've not really got much more to add there. I hope I've said everything that can be said about this one. Yeah. I don't think there's much more you can add either or that I can add because I don't know anything. Just in general. Yeah, other than they're all a bunch of dickheads. Yeah. That have yeah. so much, so little regard for life 
And I don't mean just his life. I meant the lives of the victims. Mm. You just want to close a case. You don't even care if you, the person that you put behind bars is the right one. Yeah. You don't care that you're neglecting taking a murderer off the street. You fucking mm. dickwads. Yeah. And, like, how many murderers are running free now just because you decided, I'm going to close the case with the crazy? They could have gone out and committed more murders. Yeah, that's what's the worst thing, I think, is there's quite a lot of cases as well. So somewhere around there, there's probably, you know... An actual serial killer. Yeah, probably 30 of them. <laughs> yeah, and he probably carried on killing. Yeah. Because he thought, oh, he's going down for my murders. I've gotten away with it now. Yeah. Or that person could have gone and migrated somewhere else and decided to infect another country with his murderous tendencies. Mm, yeah. Genuinely an interesting one, though. So. No, it's quite interesting. It's unfortunate, but interesting. Yeah. I hope the victims get closure. But the thing is, because they dilly-dallied for so long, and it took them so long to clear Thomas Quick, the statute of limitations must have passed, right, for all of these murders. Yeah. So they don't even have to do their job and find the murderer. Yeah. Because there's no point. I think the problem here as well, like, I think in a lot of these cases, there's not much, like, evidence to go on anyway. So mm. it's pretty hard to see any of these cases being solved. Really. Yeah, but that, and once they've closed the case, they could destroy the evidence, they don't need it anymore. Yeah. So, they've closed the case, and now he's been cleared. Even though they can actually reopen it and take a look at it, is there any other leads that they can go on? They've left it cold for so long. They might not have the evidence they had to begin with. Oh, to be honest, I think they keep most of the evidence these days, don't they, now, though? <sighs> Some ca most cases, yeah, but you never know. It's yeah. been years, it's been decades. Stuff gets destroyed by mistake as well. Yeah, I'm guessing they've probably still got Alva Larson's. Uh, well, no, they, I think they buried Alva Larson's. They would have given it, released it to the family, right? Yeah. Mm. But you never know, like the Carla Hamogra episode, they destroyed the tapes. True. I think it was purely because that was very disturbing, and they didn't think the public... Just in case there was a leak or something, the public didn't need to see it. Yeah. Which is actually a good call on their part, I guess. They yeah. convicted the bitch and the bastard. I mean, not for long enough. I don't think anyone would want to see that again. No, but you'd so. be surprised with yeah, the amount of weird shit people want to see. Yeah. Like the snuff videos. People like watching snuff videos, apparently. That's a thing. Yeah. Child pornography is a thing. Rape is yeah. a thing. The dark web has all of this shit, apparently. At the end of the day, Games of Thrones pretty popular as well so. hey game of thrones man don't diss game of thrones you do not diss game of thrones you asshole have you ever watched game of thrones i watched some of an episode you bastard you do not know game of thrones i have to admit i, I didn't really get it i it will was, go was... ultra londoner on you right now i will not be my prim and proper self <laughs> i will come and give you a beat down oh because you're you're like that all the time aren't you yeah <laughs> I, I will totally, because I've watched Game of Thrones and Vikings, so I know how to wield a sword, man. I will come and slash you up. Oh, I'm well scared. You're well scared. I will fly on my dragon over to you and slash you up. I will burn you to the ground. Yeah, and that's the kind of ridiculous plot lines you get in Games of Thrones. Shut the fudge up. <laughs> I don't know why I decided to censor myself at that point when I used the word cunt and fuck and <laughs> yeah. shit loosely. <laughs> you decided to have a conscience just then for some reason. <laughs> so listeners, right, if you're as enraged as I am right now, send emails oh. and direct them to Matt, put for the attention of Matt, calling him a dickhead because he insulted Game of Thrones and he's not even fucking watched oh. Game of Thrones. 
You haven't lived it, man. You haven't lived it. You're not enraged by what happened to Thomas Quick, but me saying, oh, Games of Thrones. I said I was pissed off about Thomas Quick, all right? Oh, pissed off. That's not being enraged. Pissed off's just like... It's happened now, hasn't it? (laughs) I can't change that. I can change other people's perception of Game of Thrones. I can do that. People do Mm. not listen to him. Game of Thrones is amazing. You need to watch Game of Thrones. And I have to wait a year for the next one. What I will say <laughs> is it, it's not as shite as Supernatural. <laughs> We're not friends anymore. <laughs> I just, I just, I don't want to be friends with you. Why do you say such hurtful things? All I know about Games of Thrones, there's a guy who used to be in Robson and Jerome. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of them. Yeah, I, of course I've heard of Robson and Jerome. Who hasn't heard of yeah, Unchained Menly. Oh, Who hasn't yeah. heard of them? They did a whole like, couple of albums, didn't they? Yeah, I know. They were very successful. Amazing. But fuck you, Matt. Fuck you. We're not friends anymore. D- does Jerome do any singing in Games of Thrones? Fuck you. How about you watch <laughs> it and find out? Oh, no. It's way too ridiculous for me. Idiot. Everybody loves Game of Thrones. The episode I watched was just weird. Did you just watch a random episode? You don't do that. You watch from the beginning... To the end, and then you start from the beginning again. (laughs) And then you watch The Battle of the Bastards about 50 times because it makes your day. So now I watch it when I can't sleep. I watch it when I'm tired. I watch it when I'm upset. I watch it when I have a headache. I watch it when I'm sick. That's your go-to thing, watching a bloody battle. That's like your light-hearted thing. You've not watched the battle, Matt. What the fuck happens in it? (laughs) And and the, the, the last couple of episodes of the last season and, oh, God. Like, my heart was pounding. The second to last episode, after it finished, my nose bled. I was so excited. The blood rushed to my face and my nose bled. I haven't had a nosebleed in years. That's probably just altitude sickness. Well, no, because, like, my heart was pounding and, like, yeah, it was a very intense period for me. Are you sure it wasn't a heart attack? No, I'm pretty sure it was a heart attack. I couldn't smell toast. My arm was fine. Toaster, I think that's a stroke, not a heart attack. Oh, well, I couldn't smell anything. My arm was (laughs) fine. (laughs) All I'm saying is, listeners, don't listen to Matt, okay? Supernatural and Game of Thrones are brilliant. And then if you have time after you finish those, Vikings is fucking awesome and makes me want to, like, beat someone up and kill people and just rape and pillage maybe not do the rape thing but maybe pillage i don't mind pillaging i mean it vikings makes me forget that vikings were shit people yeah but at the end of the day what's pillaging without raping though but well to be fair right i don't have the right resource to rape uh you can always get a dildo or something like that yeah i don't want to do that it seems a bit awkward (laughs) a bit awkward (laughs) well buying it is that what's awkward (laughs) Going into a shop, so can I have one of those? Let's not joke about the rape, okay? <laughs> Listeners here, he doesn't like Game of Thrones or Supernatural, and yet he's the one joking about rape. Oh, you're the one that dislikes watching it, you know. I don't like... When did I ever say I liked watching rape? You like watching Vikings and Games of Thrones. That's yeah, what happens but in no, all, The reason I love Lagatha is because she just went and stabbed someone that was raping a, a Saxon woman. You're still watching she does not. She raped. does not condone rape. She's quite a feminist. Yeah, but you're still watching someone being raped though that's acting i wasn't actually watching the actual people getting raped Mm. there's a difference matt yeah you know harry potter isn't actually about a magical boy oh fuck off (laughs) you know wanda isn't actually a detective because apparently swedish detectives are shit (laughs) (laughs) true okay i'll give you that one (laughs) (laughs) Or, or any nordic fiction apparently 
they're detectives are real shit. <laughs> it's only fiction. <laughs> oh, all that's all fictional. It's such a letdown, that. Like, uh, the thing is, it can't even be based on a real detective now because we know they're shit. Thomas Quick has ruined all my like perception for Sweden. I'll be not going to do any more Swedish episodes then. It might be might be too much for me to be honest. I just find it weird that like Swedish has like a really high level of suicide. Yeah, there's a lot of murders there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, who's left? They just like killing, like, people, whether it's themselves or other people. I guess. I just feel so sorry for the Swedes. Yeah. Still, they're quite sexy, Swedish people. <laughs> what, the Skarsgårds? Oh, yeah, the Lana. Yeah, there's them, a Skarsgård in Vikings as well. How many Skarsgårds are there? They're, like, crawling out of people's asses now. Yeah. Not surprising, though, because they, they come from around that area in general. So. No, I meant the actual, you know, Stellan Skarsgård, his boys. I know, I know. Like, there's but, um, so many of them. I'm not surprised they got a Scandinavian person in the show. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. I think he's, like, the only one, though. The rest are, like, American, not even American, Canadian, Australian, English. He's the only one that I recognise as, you know, a Swede. I don't think they look the part. The Scandinavians, they look proper like Vikings. You do realise they have hair and makeup in television, right? Uh, really? Is yeah. that how they do it? Yeah. Oh, I just thought that's how people naturally look. Yeah, you know in Tropic Thunder, Robert, Robert Downey Jr. didn't really have his skin pigmented. It was just makeup. Oh. I, I, that, that, honestly, that's honestly, I, I always thought Doctor Who kind of cast really hideously deformed people. And just kind of... <laughs> You know, <laughs> I think we should wrap this. Sense. I think we should wrap this up. Yeah, possibly. This is gone forever. <laughs> this should have been a one shot, really. The end of this episode. We, I was about. I was going to say we should maybe debate this <laughs> somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe next week. Oh yeah, we could do that next week. Lighthearted. We've done yeah. a couple of depressing ones lately, haven't we? Yeah. So I think we should wrap this up. Yeah. So yeah, you can email, Facebook, and tweet if you want to have a go at Matt for insulting Game of Thrones, <laughs> which you should. Because he's a knob. Oh, shut the fuck up. We should also let you know that Matt's actually got a job and I'm going on a holiday. So we're hoping to carry on airing this weekly, but might not happen. We'll try, but no guarantee. So just check back. I mean, I usually Facebook and tweet when we've got a new episode up anyway, so you'll know. Yeah. And if you're subscribed, you'll know. Oh, if you want to send us any more Swedish cases, I might just be convinced to do them again. We've still got plenty more from Nils. Yeah, if anyone else. No no offence, Nils. So we could rename ourselves the Swedish podcast. Yeah. (gasps) The Swedish chef. We should get the Swedish chef in to help us with the Swedish cases. Who the fuck's the Swedish chef? Uh, he's from... Sweden? It's either the Muppets. I think it's the Muppets. It's not Sesame Street, the Muppets. He's from the Muppets. Ah. I believe. Right. I haven't watched... It's been a very long time since I watched them, so... Yeah. And even back when I was, was the age of watching them, I didn't really watch them. Don't you think Josh Widdicombe looks like a Muppet that's quite come to life? He really does, and he sounds like one too. Yeah. He does not seem like a real person. <laughs> I know. that sounds horrible. But, Matt, seriously, we need to say goodbye. Yeah. Ta-ta. Ta-ta for now. <laughs>